KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, March 15th. KPBS is looking back at the pandemic one year in. We'll have more on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Starting today, people under age 65 with certain health conditions are eligible to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Those conditions include, but are not limited to, cancer, chronic kidney disease, chronic pulmonary disease, sickle cell, obesity, and Down syndrome. Healthcare providers will determine whether patients can get a vaccine, but there's still confusion about whether patients will need a doctor's note. Here's Long Beach physician, Dr. Jeff Luther. Especially because a lot of people who qualify don't have a relationship with a physician or a medical practice and they're kind of would be left in the cold. If you think you're eligible, you should talk to your doctor or local health department to find out how to sign up. The Del Mar Fairgrounds Vaccination Superstation is set to reopen today after vaccine shortages closed it over the weekend. The state superintendent of public instruction says California schools are on a path to reopen next month. 200,000 educators in the state have received the vaccine. That's significant. Superintendent Tony Thurman says it's considered a key number to be able to start phasing schools into reopening. He says many schools are scrambling to meet the state's goal of reopening by April 1st, while others are looking at reopening in mid-April. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. It's been just over a year since the pandemic was officially declared. Shortly thereafter, restrictions, shutdowns, and deaths soon followed in San Diego and around the country. Today, KPBS kicks off a series called Pandemic Life, One Year On. We begin with KPBS's Matt Hoffman, who's taking us back to March 2020. This time a year ago, pandemic hysteria was gripping the nation. The death toll was rising in New York City, while in San Diego, store shelves were out of cleaning supplies. Items like toilet paper and water became hard to find. And gun stores were seeing record sales to people like Daniel Frank of El Cajon. People are getting crazy over this coronavirus and... I want to be able to protect myself and protect my family. There weren't even 100 confirmed cases here yet, but San Diegans were already familiar with the virus. A month before, in February, hundreds of evacuees were flown in from Wuhan, China and quarantined at MCAS Miramar. That included Frank Wusinski and his three-year-old daughter, Annabelle. (laughs) She doesn't... 
understand what's going, you know, why mom's not here. Within days of the first evacuees arriving, San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher declared a crisis on February 14th. Today, acting out of an abundance of caution, the County of San Diego is taking an administrative action by declaring both a local emergency and a public health emergency. On March 9th, County Public Health Officer Dr. Wilma Wooten announced the first positive test for a San Diego County resident. I will not go into details about the case except to say that the case is a female in her 50s. This San Diego County resident is hospitalized and doing well. At the same time, numbers were rising statewide. Tragically, we now have six individuals uh, that have passed away. On March 15th, the governor would issue a first-of-its-kind order. We are calling for the home isolation of all seniors in the state of California. Newsom also took aggressive measures that day to begin mitigating the virus's spread. We are directing that all bars, nightclubs, wineries, brew pubs, and the like uh, be closed in the state of California. We believe that this is a non-essential function. Indoor capacity at restaurants was cut in half and social distancing measures put into place. By this time, San Diego was feeling the financial impacts of COVID-19. Major conferences at the San Diego Convention Center were canceling, schools were closing. Then San Diego State students, including freshman Chase Condorman, were sent home from their dorms. It's absolutely nuts that they gave us some 48 hours notice to get out of here. On March 19th, all Californians were ordered to stay at home. Let's bend the curve together. Let's not regret. Let's not dream of regretting. Go back, say, well, you know, we could have, would have, should have. Then on March 22nd, the pandemic took a deadly turn here. We will be reporting our first death uh, for the county of San Diego. The county's chief medical officer, Dr. Nick Yifantidis, had this message that day. Without alarming, but with dried-eyed realism, we are still in the eye of the storm. And we are asking you not to board up your windows but to board up yourselves at home, please. A day after the first death in response to crowds at beaches and parks, then San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner took action. Now I am directing City of San Diego staff to move forward with the closure of all parks, beaches, boardwalks, bays, city lakes, and trails. Face coverings were not required in San Diego County until a local order went into effect on May 1st. There are 64,000 Americans who have died in the last two months. The danger that's presented is real, and you can't reopen an economy if you don't uh, have a handle on your public health situation. At first, it was hard to track the virus's spread. Samples had to be sent to the CDC lab in Atlanta for confirmation, and early on, you needed to be showing symptoms or have a doctor's referral to get a test. So this is the swab that's going in your nose. It's only going to go in about an inch to the mid-level here. It's it wasn't until early May when state-sponsored testing sites were opening up in San Diego for the general public. Okay, and your eyes might get a little watery, and here we go. As summer came, cases rose and officials warned that we were heading in the wrong direction as parts of the economy began reopening. But it would still be months before the healthcare system saw its biggest test yet with holiday-related surges in hospitalizations. We know people are hurting out there and we know they're tired of the pandemic. You know what? We're damn tired of it, too. That was Scripps Health CEO Chris Van Gorder in December when the pandemic pushed the healthcare system to the brink. And that reporting from KPBS's Matt Hoffman. Small business owners were also among those who struggled the most throughout the pandemic. And today we'll hear from Greg Schloss, whose North Park store A&B Sporting Goods closed for good in January. Well, my grandfather started in 1941. 
in those days, it was a small appliance store where he sold radios and phonographic records and all kinds of small appliances. My father came to work at the store in 1946 after he got out after high school and he went in the Navy during the war and then came to work for his father. And uh, I've worked there for 40 years. So I was, I think, 22 when I started working there. Team sporting goods, meaning no camping, no fishing, no golf, no things like that. Uh, we sold things for, you know, ball players, kids that wanted to play baseball or football or soccer. There was nothing better than having a mom uh, bring her children into the store knowing that, that you were going to treat them right. Uh, you were going to get them exactly what they need, not load them up with a bunch of uh, accessories and things that the kid didn't need until he figured out if he really enjoyed the activity. It rings in my ears when my dad used to tell me, don't be a big shot, just get the customer what they need and uh, they'll remember it and appreciate it. And uh, as they need other things going forward, they'll remember that you treated them well and they'll come back and get whatever they need on their next visit. The first three months of the year were excellent. I was finally on my way to figuring out how to run the store as I needed to run it. And then the uh, pandemic hit. And I knew I was in trouble immediately. The local Little League played one game and then canceled the rest of the season. All the high school sports were closed. I knew that, that I was going to have to make a, a difficult decision. I knew one day things might get back to a, a semi-normal, but I also knew at that point I was so far behind that regardless of how good business was going forward, I would never be able to relax and run the store as I wanted to run it. I would always feel the pressure of the previous year. I didn't pay myself for almost seven months, just used whatever money was coming into the store to do the daily operations. And um, I also knew that there was no pension coming from a sporting goods store. And I didn't want to try to be a hero um, keeping a business going that um, was probably not going to survive. So uh, I, I took the thoughts of my grandfather and my father and just made decisions that were based on the way they affect me on a daily basis. Not looking for anybody else to um, help me get out of the bad situation. I think they would have told me both that I made the right decision. I'm not doing anything now. It's been uh, yeah, as of yesterday, it's been two months since I closed this door. I uh, thought that I would feel much differently than I do now. I thought that I would feel like there's a huge uh, weight being lifted on, off of my shoulders. And it has been financially. But as far as um, knowing what's next for me, I'm still, I feel like I'm floating around in a boat to a certain extent. It is hard because I'm a routine oriented person. I went to the store every day at 7.30 in the morning for 40 years. So that's, um, that's a difficult um, routine to, um, you know, to stop all of a sudden.
That story was produced by KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser and video journalist Nick McVicker. Stay tuned for more on our series throughout this week on air and online. Coming up, gun violence could become harder to study in California, and the homeless may be eligible to get health care under a new proposal. We'll have those stories and more up next after a quick break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Last week, we brought you crime stats showing how violent crime had risen in San Diego and in big cities like it across the nation. But studying gun violence in the state may become harder if a proposed rule change within the California Department of Justice goes through. KQED's Katie Orr reports that some researchers are pushing back. The state-funded Firearm Violence Research Center at UC Davis relies on the California DOJ for much of its data. But now the DOJ is considering whether to limit release of gun violence restraining order data. Research Center Director Garen Wintemute says the rule change would make it harder to complete critical research. There are other ways to do work on firearm violence that will matter without DOJ's data. But there are entire types of studies that can only be done um, with access to DOJ's data. The DOJ maintains it's trying to protect the privacy of people involved with the restraining order cases. But Wintemute points out the information is already a public record. And that was KQED's Katie Orr reporting. As San Diego prepares to move about 700 homeless individuals out of the convention center, a new bill is making its way through the state legislature to help people living on the streets and encampments. The bill would allow the state's unhoused population to get medical and behavioral health care. Assemblymember Sidney Camlogger of Los Angeles says the bill addresses an inequity unique to the state's unhoused. They have issues with transportation, uh, maintaining and keeping IDs and records. They might have challenges with mental illness. They don't have a mailing address. And all of those are very real barriers to entry to the traditional healthcare model that we have. Cam Logger says delayed and neglected treatment results in longer and more costly hospital stays when the unhoused finally reach an emergency level of health, a cost that is borne by taxpayers through Medi-Cal. Recently, the federal government has run into a new immigration crisis. They have to find a place to house hundreds of migrant children crossing the southern border without their parents or guardians. The solution could lie at some vacant facilities in Northern California. KQED's Fariha Havla-Romero reports. At the start of the pandemic, President Trump essentially closed down the border for migrants seeking asylum, including an estimated 8,800 unaccompanied children that border authorities expelled in the first six months of the policy. 
President Biden agreed to allow these kids to seek protection here, and more than 9,000 crossed the border just last month. That has surpassed the space at available shelters. Which is why they're looking to open temporary influx facilities. Attorney Melissa Adamson in San Mateo is counsel in a settlement that governs how federal authorities treat migrant children in their custody. She worries about the conditions for kids at these influx facilities because they don't have to be licensed by the state, like regular shelters do. Whatever influx facility they choose to open, it's really essential that they have safeguards for children and that they have really transparent oversight over the treatment of children. The U.S. Office of Refugee Resettlement houses unaccompanied minors until officials can vet sponsors in the U.S. to care for the kids while they pursue their immigration case. That was KQD's Fariha Havla-Romero reporting. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.